welcome to part two of the It Never Drains in Southern California edition of the Meltdown Pinball Podcast with Emoto Harney, Antoinette Johnson, and Michael Gottlieb. We pick up right where we left off talking about Haunted House versus Black Hole, other games, and pinball stories. So here we go. Well, being that one of my, uh, I, I would say, so good, uh, and it's kind of it's kind of hard to say, like you know, that I have a favorite game after um, speaking with um, uh, Randy Peck and Steve Sabota. They were talking about that, you know. Oh, do you have a favorite game? And it's kind of funny that they like put it as if, um, oh, when someone asks if you have a favorite game, it's like, oh, what's your favorite child? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it is kind of like that. So I would say that, well, definitely Haunted House is one of my all-time, like, most beloved games. Um, and so definitely with the, the underplay field, I, it, it's always definitely a, a really, like, key thing for me just... Having uh, those different levels and just adding on to it uh, mm-hmm. and, and just thinking outside the box. Because really, honestly, there hasn't been anything like Haunted House like, since it came out. And uh, Go ahead the, and let's, let's go with right with the debate. Haunted House, Black Holes. Tell me why Haunted House is better. Because <laughs> I already know you know your answer. Why is Haunted House better than Black Hole? Go ahead, Antoinette. Let's do it. Because it's good. Why is it better? Yeah. That's it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm tired of hearing that. <laughs> God. All right, we have button. the answer. <laughs> right? Because I agree. Like, I like playing Haunted House better than Black Hole, not just because if I don't, if I make a mistake and go down to the underground, I'm probably going to die, <laughs> you know, unless I really. But again, that's also part of the risk reward of it is that you can go downstairs and if you survive it, you're going to get paid because you survived it. Whereas Black Hole, you can go downstairs and get your multipliers up and, and then, then go back up. But, guys, I wanted to hear from you. Like, why do you, I mean, you know, why is Haunted House your favorite game? Well, oh. I do like, um, like, with Haunted House, that once you come up from the basement, it kicks back out onto the regular play field. Uh, but one thing that um, I love about Black Hole is um, the targets uh, better, whereas with Haunted House, you have the one, two, three, and five. And uh, well, uh, one off the bat is incredibly hard to get, but I also really love that about the game that it is so challenging. And uh, honestly, I've uh, I've modded mine to like be even more challenging since I've uh, added the uh, UV lights and uh, black uh, and uh, glow in the dark uh, rubbers. That looks really good. Are you so it's, pictures? <laughs> it's, be- it's beautiful, but it is also really dark, as mm-hmm. I felt a haunted house mm-hmm. should be mm-hmm. really dark. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've also added the um, spider web ball okay. that we uh, have at Marco. And it it's incredibly hard, but it's also extremely fun. It's mm-hmm. very challenging, but... Um, it sounds scary. Properly like scary, like yeah, a like really good. Game was ever scary. Alien is kind of scary, and that sounds like scary too. That sounds too. really good. That that's actually that's an amazing comparison. Like absolutely, um, and I I, I love uh, having it dark. It's uh, and. Um, in the haunted house, no one can hear you scream. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Perfect. <laughs> Now when you now when you hear someone talking about this like essentially like one of your children like just how does that I mean just in general I'll ask the I'll ask the, the the cheap ESPN question how does that make you feel when you hear a fan talk about one of your games this way 
Well, I guess the, fir the first thing is when, you know, Antoinette's talking about people asking, what's your favorite game? People asked my father that and my grandfather that for decades, and they have the exact same answer, the next one. <laughs> yes, right? that's it. That's nice. the next one. Um, and, and I think that when you're in the business, you obviously want to create products that people enjoy and are entertained by, but the number one thing is to create a, a product that your distributors and operators can make a profit with. Right. And so... I think when you talk about those games, they, they sold well, but there were some technical challenges. They were very, very ambitious and very heavy. I think a whole generation of chiropractors came out. Yes, yeah. Uh, it's uh, solid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> solid you know, black hole of no repair. Yeah. I, you know, we've heard we've heard that before in, in, in Haunted House. But so I think they were um, they were very ambitious uh, for their time. Black Hole came out of a prototype some guys brought in called Critical Mass. And the concept of it was good, but they weren't—they didn't know pinball. So uh, Adolf Seitz and the guys adapted that and turned that into a real pinball machine. But Haunted House was the vision of somebody who's really underappreciated, which is a guy named John Osborne. Mm -hmm. And John Osborne came in in the early 70s uh, to work with Wayne and, and Ed Krinsky and did some of my favorite uh, Gottlieb games ever. I love Blue Note, I love Strange World, mm -hmm. uh, I love uh, Hit the Deck, Neptune, Poseidon, those are all, you know, I just, uh, they're, John's very, very talented, and um, I think Haunted House is really interesting. It's very unconventional in many ways. When was the last time you saw in a modern pinball machine a reverse flipper right. configuration on the right. upper playfield? A combination of a large flipper and a mini flipper, right? I mean, right. John was fearless. Mm -hmm. And Gottlieb, being a very traditional company, Haunted House had some real interesting innovations with the trap door. Uh, I mean, just the disappearing spot target. Right, even the guys in the engineering department, you oh, know, for the yeah. first time you, you fl hit the spot it's target and the ball disappears. Exactly. Yeah, you get that look like what? Wait. Right. And it's because you think you like you think you're dead or something, which is perfect for a theme like haunted house being right. creepy. You think you did I drain or oh it's down here and then and then the first time you're surprised so you don't know you're down there. Exactly. Right. And then oh I gotta get back down there. I gotta go. I gotta go back down there. Come on, let's go. So. Well, there, there's three, there are three words, Steve. It's surprise and delight. Yeah. That's the idea. Surprise mm -hmm. and delight. Because right. if you surprise them and then the outcome of it is something underwhelming, that's not all that great either, right? right? The trick is surprise and delight. And I think that's why so many people fell in love with Haunted House, because in its day, its era, um, there was a surprise and delight factor. You saw that little play field underneath and you wanted to see what it did. You know, right. and and I know they continued. I remember it was Krull that uh, they had that Fresnel reducing <laughs> yeah. thing they were playing around with, and you know the movie movie wasn't good. The game wasn't all that great, and I think Haunted House was probably the pinnacle of those real uh, expensive, complicated, you know, multi-level uh, multi-level games. So back, back in the day, we, we didn't worry as much about cost, I guess, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we did, even though you always do. Yeah, exactly. You do. I mean, you were you worried about. Well, you were cost. being innovative as well, well. So, and the pinball business at that time was in a lot of trouble. I mean, video game, the video game business was uh, uh, beating up pinball pretty good, oh, yeah. and they needed to come up yeah. with come up with some uh, you know some answers uh, to all of it. So, uh, you know, and and uh, to quote my father. Um, uh, when people say, well, what do you think about that the people still play these games? My dad used to joke, he said, if I knew they were going to last this long, I wouldn't have built them as good as I did. 
yeah. <laughs> like the Ford model, like make them buy yeah. every six or seven years. Well, or something like that. I mean, yeah. every every thirty, yeah. every model, 30, yeah. 40, the 50, iPhone right? model, yeah, yeah, exactly. Make them upgrade, yeah. yeah. Planned obsolescence, and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, when you've got Humpty <laughs> Dumpties and other things with people still up and they're up and playing, yeah. you know, does the wood eventually rot? Maybe I don't right. know. I mean, it's a testament to the engineering talent that they had at the company, and and of course at, at Bally as well. Bally had some of the greatest engineers uh, ever ever in the world. Those Bally bingos are at works of art, and there's some beautiful uh, Bally electromechanicals out here on the floor right now. But I think at the time those were built, you know, nobody ever envisioned them being anything uh, more than a, a couple of years. The old, the traditional life cycle of these products is you would you would sell them. They would go into your A location, your B location, right. and end up in the back room at a Z location. And then you're done. Yeah. And, and well, and then eventually the into exactly, and get eventually into model. somebody's basement, yep. or it ends up at the VFW hall, or, mm -hmm. or, or whatever else. But the idea of uh, kind of the home market didn't exist in any way, shape, or form. I mean, the definition of that was experimented with with the Fireball home version mm -hmm. and, and a few other things. Here's another story nobody's heard is that there's a game called Texas Ranger that Gottlieb built. And there's actually, they actually built a prototype. I've seen it. I have no idea whatever happened to it. But there was a home version of Texas Ranger that they built a prototype of because they were going to try and do that home, uh, home uh, thing that Bally did. And it's not, you know, for Gottlieb it wasn't new because in 1931 when my grandfather made the conversion, uh, commercial version of Baffle Ball, there was also a version of Baffle Ball that he sold into like Sears Roebuck which was just a little bagatelle table with a couple of marbles and said baffle ball on it. It wasn't the real deal. It wasn't the full marble cabinet, but it was just this little playfield thing. So they sold into the home back then as well, once in a while. <laughs> this is, yeah. <laughs> The insider yeah, in the show. Our minds are kind of being blown right this now. Is, yeah, this is, yeah, because I'm paying so much close attention as, as much as I can on two... Uh, <laughs> on, on three, on three, on the three uh, alcoholic mules. beverages that on Hudson Mules that we've had so far. But, and, um, I, I have to say, I, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting John Osborne recently and spending time with him, and uh, also talking about Haunted House. And he was telling me about some of the things that uh, you know he he wished he could have done on the game, and and honestly, I some of the things that he brought up, uh, uh, particularly the. Um, uh, the two button uh, setting like for like different flippers when it switched over to the basement you'd have to switch to different flippers and honestly I love that challenge in the game mm -hmm. and I don't think there's uh, correct me if I'm wrong but I don't think there's really anything else out there like it where there's uh, switch over from flippers no, where you have to switch no, to different buttons. No, the closest thing there is, is is shadow and that's not it because you're just switching the purpose back and forth. And that's only one thing. That's not full flippers. That's just the purpose. Or flexing. Yeah. Oh, fle right. Flexing with hard body. It's a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah. But other than that, no, that's just one move. That's not a full on... Yeah, really. There's no. There's not a challenge like that. But uh, he had said that he would have liked to have changed that. Uh, but honestly, I and I told him exactly. Like, just I love that challenge in the game, and it like it makes you think. And you have that split second right before it either changes to the attic or to the basement, and you switch over to those flippers. Right, because it does give you that moment. Now, that's, yeah. that's part of the choreography of the game, right? Because it's like you land in the saucer and then it gives you that warning sound like, mm, okay, we're ready to go. And that's part of the game. It's like they give you that moment to be like, okay, what's happening here? Okay, now I got to switch over. 
And then if you don't drain out down below and have to switch really quickly, then it gives you that moment to go. And yeah, it's all part of the choreography of the game there. And I really like that. So it's a really sudden, really subtle inside baseball sort of things in pinball that you don't notice unless it isn't there. Yeah. <laughs> you know? my, my biggest question for both of y'all is when you have a second set of flippers, now do you put your index fingers on the first two and then your middle fingers on the second two? Or are you guys like, oh, I definitely what finger do you play? I think I move. You move your whole hand? I think I move my whole really? hand. Really? I think I move my whole hand. I I'd have to play it to now. Yeah, you, what see. flippers do you use? What fingers do you use to flip? Index. And normally it's my index finger. Actually, I use both. And if you're yeah. like, and if I'm tap passing, then I'll use, if I'm not tap passing, if I'm stage flipping, then I'll bring the other one up. Like if you I'm trying to stage. But I guess yeah. in Monsters, yeah. I'll have to use both. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. right, yeah. Because at some point, there, there has to be like some sort of sub-wizard mode where right. they both will come in like Stewie's Multiball and Family Guy. Yeah. It has to be. There's no way it's not. <laughs> it can't, can't But what be. if it's not? It can't be. No, no, I refuse. It's no, I refuse to believe that it's not some mode where there's double where there's double play field or something. Ultimate multi-ball yeah it's gotta be it's gotta be Monster yeah there's, there's, there's gotta be a way Double where they bring both of them in I mean it, that would be irresponsible it would be, it would be irresponsible to not have that there and uh, I mean as far as far as that game we've, I, I, I guess in, as far as comparison we've heard the compare to ACDC already just because of how it uh, looks but it doesn't look like it. I mean, I don't know how really how it plays yet. I can't wait to really play the thing. But I guess they compare it to ACDC because of the where the mini play field is. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's a whole entire mini play field that is not the same as ACDC. It's more similar to Family Guy than that. So well, let's see. You know, okay. So I don't know if this is a soapbox, Steve, but let me say this. It's whatever. It's like, whatever let me, you let me, to let, be, me, let, me let me, let me, go over the ground rules okay. here. Ground rules. There are no rules <laughs> other than what you want edited out. <laughs> well, that's I know. it. <laughs> it's. I don't think it's anything of, the, of of that nature. What What I was going to say is that I I see people say when some of these games come out, oh, another fan layout or a rehash or a this or a that Welcome or is it fun? You know. <laughs> That's, yeah. that's exactly right. And you look at fun? this, and, and all I think is, okay, so what do you want? You, you want like a 1949 Harry Williams game with one single impulse flipper on the bottom <laughs> and a loop-de-loop -loop in the upper left-hand corner and a midget play field in the upper right? These layouts exist for a reason. They, they work. They are the way they are for they a reason. Work. The and, layouts work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You but, want a smooth shooting game, right? You want a game, yeah. You want a, you, you want a game where you can make combos and all this stuff. They work. The layouts work, which is why I love it when a new game comes out and like we see the stream, and then I can sort of sense them avoiding the similarities with other games. And I'm like, look, just mention it. Just mention that this is the same as this, because then oh, the people who play this me. game. Sorry, that oh, sorry. The, the people who play this game will be able to relate easily to this game. Yes. Oh, yes. This is where the X multipliers are. Mm -hmm. This is where this is. This is where the, the double play field is. It's not bad it's nice. that you're reproducing it because it works. No, there's, yeah, there's, there's not bad. absolutely nothing wrong with it. You know, I mean, many the the. the uh, all the pinball companies in, in varying times and varying degrees uh, used layouts and adapted similar layouts. Uh, when you had something that was successful, you run with it. Right. And then when it's not successful and it doesn't work anymore, I mean, at one point, D. Gottlieb and company built a series of games called turret shooters. Mm -hmm. And these were games that had a turret big gap between the flippers mm -hmm. and there was a turret that went back and forth. 
Uh, there was one called Just 21 and a couple other that they did. And they came out and they earned really, really well. So they designed a couple of more. They came out, I think, maybe with three in total. But as the third one went out, it stopped that that game style didn't work anymore. Mm -hmm. People didn't want it. So right. Wayne ended up throwing away the white wood for the fourth one. And they went back to a more conventional layout. You know, David Gottlieb said, find out what the public wants right. and give it and to give them. give it to them. <laughs> it's that simple. Isn't it really that simple? Like, and, it's ridiculously yeah. simple. Now yeah. they just have to go on, like, the pinball enthusiast Facebook page. That's really it. Pinside, maybe. But, yeah, I mean, and that's and another thing. Like, it's oh, like, okay. are you going to go to Pinside? and you going to go to pinball enthusiast? I mean, because you're going to get different perspectives on each. Well, you got to go to both. you got to go to both. And everything else, out. too, right? I mean, I guess I guess because Pinside has its reputation in other areas. I think it's wonderful that people are enthusiasts yes. and they love their games and they're excited about their games what's not okay and I don't think it's okay for anything that because it's a free country and we're all allowed to have our own opinions why would somebody go out of their way to try and convince someone else who owns a particular game well that's not a good game and you're wrong for liking yeah. it that's yeah. awful it's just awful you don't tell a Ford owner you shouldn't like Mustangs you don't tell a Chevy owner you shouldn't like Chevys everybody's do. entitled to their brand a truck their style of uh, clothing and whatever types of machines that they enjoy, and I don't think it's appropriate or kind or considerate. If that's not that's not what pin, the pinball community should be, mm -hmm. and when I see things like that, I find it very perplexing. There have to be other motives at play than wanting to just support others that yeah. enjoy the hobby. It's not okay. That is strange to do. Yeah, that absolutely. that that is absolutely <laughs> here, here. Oh man, that deserves. I felt good. <laughs> that deserves a swig of a drink yeah, right there because that was poignant. And, and everyone needs so to hear on that. point. Yeah. Coming to that, we were we were Stop talking about uh, Jetsons today, and I had had I had pretty much just heard nothing but bad reviews about Jetsons nonstop. But I um, I um, had the honor of playing uh, Jetsons with uh, Barry Joe, the um, creator of uh, Wrath of Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. uh, she is now coming out with the uh, Wrath of Cthulhu game and. She's hoping to be able to present it at Expo. Hopefully it will be ready in time for that. But um, she had never played Jetsons either, so we both played it together. And uh, there were certain things about it that, um, yes, it's uh, as uh, Steve and me were talking about that uh, it's, uh, you know, there are many things that are unfinished, but it was, it was very fun. And I especially love the uh, um, feature with uh, the, uh, the start button, mm -hmm. where you hold down the start button to the level of how much pressure the uh, ball gets. Oh. So you can actually do a soft plunge right. with a button. Oh, wow. Right. Which, which, is, which is similar to the way like software games, like pinball simulations, like pinball effects will do that, where you will oh, just right. use the button to depress it a certain amount and then release it a certain way. And then based on how long you held it, that will be the strength of the skill shot, creating a virtual plunger. So I don't know if it was inspired by that or if that was yeah. the way, but it but it works it works in the same is in the same way. And that's, that's what awesome. we were talking about before there, yeah. But yeah, I mean I think people's I guess people's reticence about Jessus is that yeah, it seems like it's half a game, but I mean maybe it was made to be that way. But I mean it's but fine. Once again, it's all it's all preference. Yeah. And it's all the way you look at it. Um Ooh. Ooh. Like, uh, when I when I first played Batman sixty six, it was only uh uh, twenty percent coded because I, I pretty much played it um, right when it uh, came out. It was uh, close to my birthday, so I actually played it on my birthday uh, in Rock Fantasy. Um, 
It's like right, yeah, rock fantasy, and, and mid, rock fantasy, Middletown, New York. Respect. Okay. Stephen Keeler. Keeler. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just had to give respect I to Stephen Keeler. Right. Okay. Go ahead. But um, but no um, and it's it's a fun game and I was looking forward to it to uh, just more software coming out for it. Um, but um, yeah, we uh, we had. Uh, um, um, Steve Bowden and myself had uh, played it together on my birthday, and it, um, yeah, th- there was a lot of things that we could do, right. but then it just wouldn't go anywhere. There were clear limitations that we saw that were in, that were planned, that were planned. But they know? were in the works. And, and we knew because Lyman saves, mm-hmm. we knew that. <laughs> we know mm-hmm. because Lyman's on it, and we know Lyman rolls, we know that, and so and we know just the plan. the game is fantastic. It's, it's like, it's rock yeah, it's solid. Awesome. It's amazing. Now, yes, it took a year I, and a half, now, but I mean, you know, sometimes it takes a while to cook. Now I'm kidding myself that I didn't buy one. Right. Mm-hmm. All the people who were, <laughs> who were like, laughing, like, you know, at the, you know, at the LE that was 15000 and all this stuff and all whatever, and we didn't get it, and now you can see that Lyman saves, and the code is solid. <laughs> so, yes, it did take a while, but sometimes it takes a while to cook the dinner. We give the man a chance. I mean... The man saved, st- saved Spider-Man, so I don't, and like he saved Spider-Man on his own time. He's fine as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's that. That's, 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 that's age old debate. Right, and yeah. Yeah, because just like the idea of releasing a game before a code is ready. Right. But I've you kind of have to, depending on yeah. when. Like if you're trying to release a game with some other marketing connection, like if you have a movie or some other thing that's near it. Firmware update. Right. So you kind of have to make that decision. Well, I think you've got. I think you've got a couple of factors. I think. Um, I think one, and this happens to anybody who knows what to do. I mean, I, George Gomez is a dear friend of mine. I worked with him over the years uh, when we were both at Midway, and I, I think that the uh, the software programming kind of got away from them just a little bit. That it just turned out to be more than maybe anticipated. Okay. And there's nothing wrong with ha- you know things happen, right? It, the, the real question is what do you doing about it mm-hmm. and they've brought in a lot of new talent um, That's it. you know mm-hmm. they, they've really expanded yep. their headcount in the engineering department uh, on one front right so I think that stuff is coming along on the software side probably faster mm-hmm. um, and then you've got a whole new team shout out to Keith Elwin and all those oh, guys yeah. at the Iron Maiden oh, yeah. That's just Maiden. spectacular that's my favorite uh, hometown San Diego boy where I live mm-hmm. so we're all very very proud of him and excited for him uh, so you've got that factor, and the second one, and again, a uh, bit of a soapbox. People were so critical about something like the Beatles or Primus. Oh, it's not what I would want, so they shouldn't be doing it. Well, you know what? If it helps Stern keep the monster fed, which is what we call keeping a production line going, if it, if it helps Stern keep the production line going, and if it gives the opportunity for the people that work there to have, oh, I don't know, Thanksgiving with their oh, family, maybe, right. oh, maybe yeah. Christmas with that? their family, yeah. And Let the chance is that everybody works so many hours, uh, then I think we should all be very supportive of whatever limited runs they do, whether it's Supreme or, or Beatles or any of the Primus. I mean, if somebody is interested Primus in writing awesome. a check and right. they want to get some pinball machines made, the net result is uh, maybe, maybe we would have seen Monsters three or four months ago. And mm-hmm. guess what? The code probably wouldn't have been nearly as far along mm-hmm. as it is today. I think they probably have done more quality testing because they've had more time. That's the only commodity we have is time. It's the only one. 
And having that additional time, I think, is going to benefit the Munsters. I think it benefits Stern overall. So, you know, don't be critical of things like Beatles and Primus and you know, let them do it. Let, let them do, them do all it. If, if people to want them. to buy it, yes, why not sell of course, it? Why not? It's so simple. I want to buy an amazing idea. And um, I, I know uh, people that have uh, bought all three versions the. Um, Primus, Can Crusher, and Lonelli. That's art. And yeah, put them together. they love it. They love each one of the art packages. They love the game. And That's cool. even if you don't, even if you don't love like a specific art package, there's another one. Like it's just you know, it's your preference, and uh, it's a it's a fantastic game. Why not do it in uh, multiple themes that would actually speak to someone else that. Oh, like, well, I don't particularly like the theme, but oh, there's this other theme. That's incredible. Like, absolutely. Options. So how about that? Right? How about, how about those options? I remember when Dennis and Greg showed uh, Woe Nelly at Pinball Expo, whatever number of years ago it was, and Dennis took me aside and he was showing it to me and he was joking that the basic premise of the layout in terms of parts that he used is he took apart an old Gottlieb Continental Cafe. Right. Which is kind of fun. Right. You know, kind of cool. But yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's, I think it's good to have the, you know, good to have the variety, you know. And then um, the other thing I would say is the, the, the criticism, you know, if you do this for a living, if you do anything for a living, if you do anything, you are subject to criticism. Absolutely. And you know what? That is okay. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, Christopher Franchi is incredibly talented. And the one thing I would say to him is don't listen to a word Get of what it, yeah. anybody do says what you about do, what Chris. you do. You're the man. Absolutely. I don't pay attention to art, and I pay attention to yours. Yes, if the customers, yeah, exactly. You are the man, dude. I mean, (laughs) the art that he comes out with, someone like me who is, when I see a pinball play field, I don't even see the art. I just see the shots, because that's the way I look at it. Right. But I notice your art, Chris. Oh, yeah. Because your art rules. So whatever (laughs) the criticism is. Forget, forget it. You know, just keep keep rolling and do it what you got to do because you do it and you do it well and you've been knocking it out of the park multiple times, multiple Absolutely. home runs in yeah. a row. Bam, home run. Bam, home run in a row. So if, you know. if you're being criticized, it means you're doing something. That's right. right? You're doing something. <laughs> you're doing right. something. And exactly. I and I have a theory. I, my theory is there, and this is a, a gross simplification, but it has a point. There are two types of people. The pe- they're creators and consumers. 98, 99% of the people out there are just consumers. So if you're just creating something, you're almost all the way there. Well, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but the point is is that you're actually in it and you're trying. And guess what? That other 98, 99%, they're going to come after you because that's the critic, right? Well, that's part of that is internet anonymity. Yeah. And, you know, that because I I said somewhere before, probably in another podcast on, on... on this show, as I said, that anonymity breeds bravery. So that because yeah. you know you're behind the keyboard or whatever, and you just talk or whatever, and you just say anything you want, and you get in front of somebody, and all of a sudden those words don't come out of the mouth. You know, all of a sudden you kowtow. Oh, you're amazing, you're great, and all that stuff. But what about the stuff you said on the keyboard before when I wasn't there? You know that. So that that's that's part of it too. But. I mean, one, well, one thing I also wanted to talk about is that, yes, I mean, me, yes, I now work for another pinball manufacturer, Deep Root Pinball. Congratulations. Um, um, dream job. Awesome. 
And I'm not upset when Stern does well because there's no such thing as buying one pinball machine. That's why. Yeah, absolutely. So when Stern <laughs> does well and they buy a machine and they say, oh, I want another one. Oh, let me look at the other Stern offerings. Oh, let me look at what Spooky has to offer. Oh, let me look at what Jersey Jack. Oh, pretty soon, let me look at what Deep Root Pinball has to offer. <laughs> absolutely. So, you know, you know, it's our market is still too small for there to be factions yet. You know, we're not gaming. We're not video gaming. Like, they're not that big. So that's why I am happy when Stern does well because that means the market is expanding. And will expand the market further. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> okay, I think we will. room for expansion. Yeah, yes. I mean, In the only place, too. no question, the only place where I'll extend a degree of criticism is just as a consumer advocate, as who, no matter who the manufacturer is, um, it doesn't help pinball if there are quality problems. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help pinball if you don't have good service departments, if the distributors aren't doing their part. And that's not a news story. You know, everybody's had challenges in varying degrees. And, you know, people talk about the heyday of, of Williams. Well, you know, you, you build a lot of machines, you can sometimes have a lot of challenges. And, and Williams had their own share of challenges. We had a spectacular service department back then that would take care of it, right, and make sure that the customer was made whole and things were... Uh, addressed and whatever else but uh, I, I remember um, my dad told me this story back in the 50s they made a game called guys dolls okay. and it didn't have flippers uh-huh. it had these plastic posts on the bottom five across the bottom you press the flipper button and all five posts would kind of impulse kick <laughs> so they had the prototypes built up and they tested them for reliability they had all the test fixtures they did everything that they had been doing for years the games went out and all of a sudden they got calls from distributors and operators saying these posts were breaking but what happened was the supplier had changed the the formulation of the nylon plastic, the magic formula, and they changed to something that ended up being brittle, and the post started breaking. And my dad said that he spent six weeks, day after day, getting on another airplane with boxes and boxes of these new posts being shipped out as a replacement, personally going out, visiting customers, apologizing for the mistake, working with the service techs to swap out for the correct part. And uh, you know it happens to it happens to yeah. everybody. It's what you do that's when something incredible. like that happens. Yeah, that's great. You know, that's sometimes sometimes mistakes happen. But anyway, so uh, the only thing I would say is that, uh, and it sounds like we're past the era, uh, the awful awful era of people putting down money on games that never end up getting manufactured. I think that was horrific for pinball. It was so so awful. I mean, absolutely awful. People work very hard for their money. They're very passionate about whatever their respective hobby is. I don't care if it's stamps or, or, or cars or motorcycles or pinball. And, and you, you uh, believe in something. You believe in a mission or whatever else. And then you go and you put money into it and, and it doesn't happen. So I think that things have changed. I think the world has changed, which is a good thing. But the bottom line is a lot of good people got burned. Money got sucked out of the business. And that's a bad thing. Right. That not is only, a bad not only thing. money, but also reputations and like trust. faith, faith, trust, yeah. and yes. faith in, Absolutely. in products coming out. Right. And 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 the word pre-order became a bad word. I mean, even, as well it should. Yeah, well, it should, even worse than in the AAA gaming industry. I mean, they talk about pre-orders all the time, but I mean, as far as the pinball, like pre-order became like the F word really <laughs> at this right. point. So you know the fact. So when so when I uh, when I was thinking about you know joining the pinball industry, I was thinking, so we're not doing pre-orders, are we? No. Okay. All right. So now I'm still. I'm ready to continue nice. talking to you. Okay. Because I say we haven't asked for anybody's money yet. So that's why it's part of the reason why we're not as under pressure yet. So even though we've had our delay, you know, 
God, I wish I could talk about more. You can't. <laughs> Don't you can't. do it. Don't can't. get in trouble. <laughs> but I can't. Sorry. We'll We're excited. I can't. I it's think like it's a good, like, a good like, time to bring it back to uh, uh, when I was speaking with John yeah. about just how much he loved working for Gottlieb mm. and how it was his absolute oh. dream job and how he believed in everyone that worked there. He enjoyed working with everyone and just had a fantastic time. And I'm I'm just seeing that so much more in the industry with all my friends working for different pinball companies. Uh, uh, Steve and also now myself uh, about to uh, work for uh, uh, Marco Specialties full time. Yeah, so, um, Yes, as soon as I get back to San Francisco, I will be uh, shipping out my games to South Carolina and I will officially be working in the warehouse full time. I will still be going to shows and um, seeing all of you. Oh, please, um, you have to be. Don't like stop that. You have to be going to shows. You can't, you know, I mean, I don't know how much you want to reveal about Getting really plan. awkwardly into cars. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know how much you want to reveal. I mean, we talked about this earlier, but how much you want to reveal about your plan, about what you want to do with Marco. I mean, as far as designing, I don't know if. Well, um, I, I did. Um, the dreams. I did talk in uh, Pinball Magazine about uh uh, coming into uh, pinball design that I would like to take a crack at it and uh, I want to learn more I know a, a few of my friends have been pushing me to actually work directly for Stern and uh, I, I want to learn more it's like I, 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 would, I would love to work for Stern but um, I, I do want to learn more and honestly I love working for Marco so much I have never worked for a company that has cared so much like not only about my advancement but about just my overall well-being and that's what I love about the pinball community I have just noticed so many people just actually just care about me as a person and I think that just speaks so yeah. well of this community. We're like one big family. We are. Yeah. <laughs> like one of my first experiences with Mark from Marco, um, I was interested in buying this hard body at Southern Fried Game Room Expo because I've wanted this game for a long time. Um, and I told him about it and he's like, oh yeah, where is it? I'll go check it out for you. And he like just came over to the pin and like ask the guy to like lift the roof up type of thing like like he was like my dad buying me a new my first car type of thing and just <laughs> like went through it and looked at the machine and everything and then the guy said how much he wanted it for and then mark mark was like nope this is the price you know because of this 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 and this and then the guy was like oh okay and i you know got a killer price on my hard body and like before i was just so nervous and scared like pinball is intimidating um, it's such a complex uh, thing. Right when you think you figure it out, then there's like another layer, you know, from the actual game to the community and stuff. So I always feel shy and nervous for things like that. So buying my first pinball machine was scary. And then there was Marco Specialties. They had no reason to help me, but they were just like, oh yeah, we'll help help you see if this is a good idea. And I just love that. They're great people. <laughs> They are indeed. So when do you move? I will be uh, flying back to San Francisco tomorrow, actually, the 14th of January. And uh, as soon as my games are uh, shipped out, 
uh, I will be driving across country and also uh, just like I did on I, I've driven across country uh, twice in um, the last few years and I every time I always visit different uh, pinball places give a shout out to them uh, just like I, I was absolutely inspired by what Emoto does just getting the word out there about all of these amazing places and where you can go to play these awesome games and so it's it's been just this uh, this fun journey um, so uh, I'll be uh, hopefully be in uh, South Carolina in time for my birthday on January 22nd um, and hopefully that's going to be my first day working at my dream job in Marco is on my birthday, January 22nd. My birthday uh, is January 24th. Uh, no way! Aquariuses! Yes! yes. Oh, I love the Aquarius. So basically we have a bunch of people at this table with our dream jobs, right? I mean... <laughs> so it feels good. <laughs> it, it does feel really good to know that, you know, when you oh, go yes. back... When, you, when you're going back to work... <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, you're just thinking what, it, what, what I would, what I would be doing last year. Like around this time, I used to work. Uh, I had a 16-year career in education, so from school teacher on up to administration and, and technology. So around this time, I would be um, budgeting for our next year's uh, computer equipment for the district, and so also trying to negotiate whether or not what I could. How many, how much equipment I can buy for our students and things like that. On in addition to fixing machines that break and Chromebooks and iPads. And those of you who are in the educational industry will know what I'm talking about <laughs> and professional development and all that stuff. So uh, knowing that you know I can go back to work and you know have a conversation with one of our designers. And then to have that designer like what I say and appreciate, you know, like this is a man, like, you know, Dennis Norman, this man made white water, you know, and I'm like, and he liked what I said. Man, that feels good. <laughs> it's like, man, it feels good. I mean, I kind of know what I'm talking about, you know what I mean? And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's really, I mean, I guess I, I snuck away to the bathroom for a minute, so I sort of like trying to kayfabe and I'm just sliding back in, but this is the meltdown, so I'm not even going to pretend Dude, like I didn't. yeah. So what did you guys talk about while if, I was If gone? you pretended, we wouldn't have even noticed. No, that was fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what, let me call some call somebody else out, because you're working with him now, John Norris. Oh, yeah. John Norris is under-appreciated and under-recognized because of, he did a a lot of things at Premiere that were very innovative that hadn't been done before. I mean, lights, camera, action, first mm -hmm. game with modes. Yep. You know? Yep. And and he did a lot of, uh, I mean, I think it's, it. there there were times where I think John went a little too far with the rules and, and you know, whatever the case may be, but th those were those were the criticisms I extended to him directly when seeing whatever he was working on, but a very, very creative, um, and to hear, you know, Antoinette talk about getting into the business and getting into design. I remember being at Pinball Expo and John Norris walking around with this Tour de France was this concept that he had, this idea that he had put together. And I think he had built up a white wood and actually had a cassette player in it or something like that. And that is what I, I got Gil Pollock and the guys to say, okay, well, let's, let's, you know, let's take a look at this and see if there's something that makes sense. Same thing with John Osborne. He designed a left-handed pinball machine uh, called Southpaw, mm -hmm. and and you know, and and same thing with uh, with uh, Keith Elwin. He right. built up that Archer game, you know. So if you're passionate about it, 
uh, fired up about it and, and, and you make it happen, anything, uh, anything is possible. But John Norris is a uh, very talented, phenomenal pinball player, oh, really yeah. amazing pinball player. See, I remember videos with that lob, the lob shot? Oh, the tap, the that. tap That's stuff hot. that he does is, yep. is he's got reflexes like, uh, I don't know. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, like, I he's, want uh, him to like compete competitively just so I can see like uh, where he would be ranked on IFPA. Like, you know, because just to see the tricks that he can pull off and just consistently, oh, I'm going to use the lob shot to hit the lower left target on Walking Dead, the target that you can't ever hit. Yeah. Because yeah, it's so yeah. difficult to do. I remember the first time I think I played the Whitewood of Diamond Lady, I was at Premier Visiting, and um, I was like, John, this is volley. Uh-huh. He goes, it's not volley. I go, John, this is volley. He goes, it's not volley. And he looks at me, he goes, lightning ball. I go, okay, fine, it's lightning ball. Because <laughs> of the, the, Got him, the yeah. diamond geometry, yeah, the, the geometry, triangulation yep, geometry. Yep. You know, know. Like inside the park home run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Do, yeah? Totally. <laughs> That's yep. what it is. Fun Especially stuff. when you drain off it, you know, when mm-hmm. you try, you go deep, deep, deep. <laughs> right. What? Well, that's what the drop target <laughs> between the flippers is for. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, just to, just to, oh, you let me bail out and let me have that rescue it, but also be ready to get it because it's, right. it's going to be gone immediately. Yeah. That was part two of the It Never Drains in Southern California edition of the Meltdown Pinball Podcast with Emoto Harney, Antoinette Johnson, and Michael Gottlieb. The Indisc episode will continue next time when the champion of Indisc 2019, Colin Urban, will join us along with Daniel Spoler of Project Pinball and Jim Belsito, tournament director of Indisc. Remember to subscribe and check out the next episode, which will be coming up really soon. So until next time, once again, shoutouts to Antoinette Johnson and Marco Specialty, shoutouts to Emoto Arcade, shoutouts to Michael Gottlieb, go to publicbonus.com, follow Public Bonus on your social media, and keep flipping!